please don't quit the career because it is an amazing one. And yeah, seek out good practices because they are out there and you will find lovely practices and environments to be in. Don't lose the faith. Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career. With your host, Jazz Gulati. What's the best way that hygienists and dentists can work together? Well, when I was in Singapore, I didn't know a single hygienist. It wasn't really a model at the time that was used there. Whereas in the UK, we depend so much on our hygienists. I feel like we work together well with hygienists. However, I sometimes worry and hygienists I speak to worry that all they become is a scaling machine. And so I talked about that today with Morgan and Lou, two lovely hygienists I used to work with in Oxford, and they share their struggles, how they had to work in quite a few practices where the environment just wasn't right for them to thrive in as part of prevention-minded hygienists. And I think what they have to say, well, if you're a hygienist listening to this, or maybe a dentist has sent this episode to you, then this is going to be a real source of inspiration from two lovely ladies who've been in the game for a little while, they know what they want, Want, uh, and they're going to tackle those difficult themes such as hygienists working without nurses. Like, where does that stand now in 2023? My practice now where I work in as an associate, only now is it starting to really implement a nurse working with a hygienist. Whereas I've worked with a few practices before where there is no such thing. It's unheard of for the hygienist to have nursing support. And I know lots of young hygienists who tell me that they feel really uneasy about working alone. And really, is this the best way to deliver ideal patient journey that's safe and effective. I don't think so. But then again, a lot of you will say, but Jazz, you're not a practice owner. You're not paying the bills. And I totally get that. I respect that. As an associate, it's easy for me to, to say that. But I'm hoping after this episode with Morgan and Lou that you understand why it is so important for our profession to work together with hygienists to get the best outcomes. And I do believe that starts with a hygienist being provided a nurse. Now, what I don't want after this episode is lots of hygienists handing their notice or dentists getting pissed off and saying, Jazz, what the hell do you do? Why did you encourage my hygienist to think a little bit differently and inspire him or her a little bit too much? I mean, I want to inspire. I want to get the word out. I want to help these hygienists through Morgan Lou and what they have to say and learning from their journeys. But I don't want there to be friction between dentists and hygienists. I want there to be synergy and I want us to create an environment where hygienists can be happy at the workplace because a happy team breeds a culture in the practice that's palpable and patients can detect it. And I think it's a big part of the patient journey. Hello, Patricia Rati, I'm Jazz Galati, and welcome to another episode. This is an interference cast, it's like a, a non-clinical interruption. So we talk a little bit about clinical here, but it's more about the bigger picture stuff, how we can work together with hygienists the best way possible. Let's join the main interview now. Morgan and Lou, welcome, a very warm welcome to the first ever Hygienist Duo to the Protrusive Dental Podcast. How are you both? Really good, actually. Excited for our first podcast with you, Jazz. I'm just excited just to see yeah. your faces again and, and, and just uh, have this connection and catch up with you. So those of you who don't know, I probably said in my intro, but we used to work together uh, in Summertown, Oxford. And, uh, you know, Morgs, you reached out to me on Instagram because 
I think you heard me mention about how much I loved working with you two, right? And, and then I said, listen, ladies, you have to come on the show because like what I do for dentists, and I'm a little bit shameful in the way that I do very much make the content for dentists. And I do sometimes feel as though I'm leaving our cousins, our brothers, our sisters, our, our hygienist therapists out a little bit because some of the, the themes I cover are, are just slightly different to the themes that perhaps you guys want. But then but the, what hygienists have been doing is that they've been DMing me saying, Jess, can you just cover this one thing for us about how we can work together better? And I think who better than, than you two? And I'll just start from, from the top, I guess. I, I guess let's have a couple of introductions first before I give you my introduction. So Morg, start with yourself, please. Uh, tell us a little about yourself, how you got into hygiene and your interest in that, in that regard of working in the capacity with dentists. So um, I was a dental nurse for seven years before I got into hygiene. Yeah, we were talking about this the other day about how we think it's a really great um, base because you already have that background knowledge. So yeah, then obviously met my genius on route. I thought, hang on a minute, I think I would like to do a bit of that. Um, And then lucky enough... Did you find that jump difficult? Because a lot of dental nurses consider that move and then something comes along and they don't do it, they don't commit. Did you find it a big jump, a big hurdle? I mean, I was young, I was 21, I was at university um, studying hard, playing hard. So I actually think I had it really easy. Um, We had women on the course that had children, families back home, and they were sacrificing that time away from them and studying, and they were working way harder than I was, that was for sure. So I think I did it an easier time in my life, but I have real respect for people that do it later on, and you know what, great, because they've got even more experience. So yeah, I would say if you're considering it, go for it. It is a great, flexible career. And one of the themes we'll talk about later uh, is a common theme I've spoken about on the podcast, Morgs, which is finding the right place of work and how you have to kiss lots of frogs before you find your Prince Charming. And I know we had that <laughs> chat before. Uh, and we'll many, talk a little many. bit about... <laughs> We'll talk about that, right? We'll talk about the state of the play and the situation and stuff. Uh, but but, but uh, Lou, let's hear from you. Tell us about your background, how you got into it. It's, yeah, pretty similar to Morgan's, actually. Um, I, after leaving school... I worked as a dental nurse um, for a little bit longer, about 10 years. And I used to always pop in to see the hygienist and see how she worked and offer some help, sharpen her instruments and ask if she wanted some charting and everything because she worked without a nurse. And um, and I, I really loved what she did. It really, really interested me. And she said to me, Lou, you must go and do dental hygiene. You know, you've obviously got an interest for it. And uh, and that's what I did. I started applying. I was a little older. I was 26. So it was, uh, it, it, no, and I've never looked back. It's been the, the best thing ever. I always knew I wanted to go into some form of dentistry, but I never quite knew why um, or, or, or what but it's been absolutely amazing. Never look back and I would never have a different career. I, I love it. Brilliant. Um, you know, it, that shines through. When I used to work with you two, like I could say it now, I don't want to offend any hygienists listening at the moment, but you two are just the best hygienists I've ever worked with. Honestly, the, the understanding, the culture at work, uh, just you two, just a- a- amazing. And I want to bottle you two up and, and, and spray you uh, around the country <laughs> in terms of your, just how you work together. And this is what this episode's about, right? Because, um, and, and before we, before we delve deeper, I'm, I'm getting so many thoughts and questions in my head already. But, but, yeah. but uh, Morg, you, you said something really important before I hit the record button. Uh, and I guess it's kind of like a disclaimer before we talk further. Uh, do you want to just say it? Go on, just spill, spill it out. Get it out of your system. Yeah. So we work in a really, really lovely practice in North Oxford. It's a very affluent area. We were very fortunate to be hired by an amazing dentist called Guy Duckworth 
who was very, very prevention savvy, forward thinking, and the ethos of that has carried on through the practice. But we are not stupid to know that it's not a cheap practice. We, what we can offer, and the people that come here, a lot of them can well afford what we're offering, so we can completely tailor-make their treatment for them. And we do appreciate that there are practices where it would have to, the way we work would have to be very adapted because affordability is definitely an issue, especially in the times we're living in. And um, so, yeah, I didn't really want us to come across as a couple of divas that just said, this is our way and the highway in the way that everybody should be working. Mm. But we, what we can offer is the best of the best because of affordability. And, and, and it works in your, in your business model. Lou, is, is yeah. there anything you want to add to that? It's, um, I think that you can, I think it, it, I think it works. We can, we can tell patients what they need and they obviously take up the, you know, they take up, they take up the advice, they take up the appointments. So we find that we have the best success rates, you know, but I would think even if you haven't got affordability and you have got reduced time, it's actually about set what your goals are, your expectations and work to them. I find a lot of the time people think that, you know, oh, you're just going to come and, you know, it's all about removing the calculus, it's all about removing, you know, the staining. But actually, I think that's very, very short-sighted, basically. You know, that's a short, quick fix. But actually, it's, you know, it's, it's not helping anybody. It's just actually you're stressing yourself out. Your expectations are never going to be met doing that. So actually, I think you've got to play the long game, you know, like I said, goals, expectations, definitely in any capacity. You know, if you've got 30 minutes, then I think adapt that appointment to what is the most important thing? What is the priority here going forward for that patient? I was just going to say, giving a patient value for money does not just mean scaling their teeth. So you know the whole give a man a fish for a day and you feed him for a day, but teach him a fish and you'll give him a lifetime's worth of achievement. That's exactly the same with what we do. Us offering somebody education on how to clean their teeth is going to mean that they're going to get so much less issues further down the line. Just scaling them, no clinical benefit. No. And as we explore this episode further, that will become clear in terms of the messages we want to send out. But I'll give everyone an example straight off the bat is that the way we worked together in Oxford at the time was when patients would come to see you, Morgs, there were some patients and, you know, you got into heated confrontations because you'd refuse to do any calculus or plaque removal until they sorted yeah. themselves. So you just spent in, in the least patronizing way as possible. Patients always be like, wait a minute, I'm paying you X amount clean my teeth and you're just telling me how to clean them myself and you're doing the right thing you're doing it by the book but you know you are ready to have your purpose you have your purpose in terms of their overall health and actually sorting them out prevention based so that they can look after themselves rather than just being a scaling machine you have the holistic health in mind rather than just let me get the scaler out and stick it in as soon as possible so that's the kind of what we're, we're talking about here uh, the bigger picture so taking a step back i know about your journeys now and you did nursing first and you, and you got into um, hygiene that way and it's nice to know your individual uh, journeys and and then let's talk about actually finding the right environment and the struggle uh, that you found to find the right place. And it's very much ties into what you said, Morgs, earlier, that the young hygienist who's listening to this, who's just you know, a couple of years out, and if we didn't say that disclaimer first up, they would listen to this and they might feel really disheartened that they're just a scaling machine and they get mm. miserable. But what you've made very clear is that actually you work in a very specific practice that's set up for this. But the second thing they're not hearing or seeing until now, we're going to reveal it now, is that 
it took you a long time or a lot of practice to find the right place. So, Morgs, let's hear your journey of the frogs that you kissed along the way. <laughs> There's been many. And in one practice, I did five hours in their practice and I said, this isn't going to work. You either get on board with how I want to work, which looking back as a newly qualified hygienist was very big headed. You either get on board with how I want to work or I won't be here on Monday. Guess what? I didn't go back on Monday. I think well I done. left 12. Well yeah, I left 12 practices when I first started. This is the only practice I remained at. And I remember Louise saying to me at the beginning of my journey, there are enough good practices that you will be able to leave the bad ones. But I would say to the newly qualified hygienist, work in as many different practices as you can, because eventually what will happen is you'll get offered more days in the good ones and you'll be able to leave the bad ones. But choose to be the clinician you want to be. If you feel undervalued, if you don't feel listened to, if you're made to work 20 minute appointments with no nurse, move on. Because all mm -hmm. we see on the forums all the time is these poor, newly qualified hygienists. They come out of university so full of enthusiasm. And I can remember that feeling. You just want to go and like spread the word about oral mm -hmm. hygiene and change the world. And you feel so limited and unsupported. Mm -hmm. And when I see those conversations, I just think you are literally flogging a dead horse. You need to leave that practice and move on. Well, I was going to say, I think, I think what we're finding is happening is because if you're working in these practices where you're not feeling valued, where you're not being able to utilise all of your skills and make that difference, then the stress levels are high and people are actually leaving the profession. And that's not what we want, you know. They've, they've spent a long time training and, um, you know, we want them to stay. But I, I think they do have to find the right practices and be, be the hygienist and dentist that you inspire to be when you actually started your journey of actually of the education, of, of the training. Definitely. I mean, that applies to dentists and hygienists. And, and, and Lou, just to give us your background in terms Absolutely. of um, how many practices until you found where you are at now. Wow. Um, I qualified um, 23, 24 years ago. And I, one, of the, one of my tutors actually said to me, do not become a scaling machine. And she said to me, you love the oral hygiene side of it. Um, find the right practice for you. Lawcom first. And that was the best bit of advice that I had. I Lawcom first. And even though they had permanent positions, but what I'd said was that I will locum. So my day, I was traveling two hours one way, two hours another, you know, but it was worth it because then I could see whether it was a practice that um, I wanted to be in, whether they got me and whether I got them basically. Um, so yeah, I locum first. And then even when I came to Diamond House, um, my interview with Guy was very, very relaxed and uh, we just had a chat and he'd said we'd like to you know we'd like you to start working for us and I, I so what I said was actually how about we actually have um a, a month together I said just as a locum I will do a month for you and then we'll have a conversation at the end of the month if you like me and I like you and we're working well together well then you know we've got a deal we can go forward and that's actually what I did and it was the best thing it was the best thing ever but I think if I hadn't got that advice at the start by saying be the hygienist work the way that you want to work then I don't think um, I would have had maybe the confidence to actually say that right from the beginning a lot of people, a lot of my colleagues that actually, you know, started qualified at the same time, within months, 
they were stressed, burnt out, saying, I'm not going to be able to do this forever. And that's even after a few months, you know. So I feel very, very fortunate um, that I, um, I, I took on board the advice that I was given right from the start. Are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental Podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app for free. Just search Protrusive on your app platform. Now, if you're a true Protrusive and you want to support the podcast, you want to claim CPD for all the listening and watching that you do, you want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible, as well as a premium newsletter, access to the Protrusive Vault, and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later, you can get all of that for less than 15 tax-deductible dollars per month. So what are you waiting for? Download the Protrusive app now on iOS or Android for absolutely nothing. We've worked so hard on this Protrusive team and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode. So the theme already we talked about is, you know, you have to kiss a lot of frogs before you find your Prince Charming. The second theme based on that is date them before you marry them. And that was a, a great example, yeah. uh, Lou, of, you know, even though you got this great vibe from, from Guy Duckworth, uh, you said, yeah. hang on a minute, you know, I like this, but I'm going to do a month first. I love that. And I think that's great. Yeah. It's a little bit brave. But I think yeah. you know, it's good to have that. And the themes I'm seeing here, uh, I don't know if you listened to an episode I did with uh, my good friend, uh, Laura Bailey. Uh, she uh, is a therapist I work with in Richmond and she's doing right. a lot of bonding. Uh, and the, the common themes we're, we're seeing here is you have to take massive action. You have to put your best foot forward. And that yeah. can sometimes look very, that, that, that map, that journey can look very uncomfortable. That's a very squiggly line from point it, A absolutely. to point B. It's a lot of tough conversations to have along the way, uh, a lot of goodbyes, a lot of uh, upsets, a lot of uh, new places, new environments, a lot of commuting that you did, Lou. These are the real world yeah. issues until yeah. you found it. Now, what I don't want on the back of this episode is a mass exodus of any hygienist who's unhappy. <laughs> and then and on Monday, you know, this episode no. comes out on Monday and by Wednesday, uh, all these yeah. principals are calling me up saying, Jazz, you're a twat, stop podcasting, you just ruined it for everyone. Well, <laughs> Therefore, therefore, and you get the hate mail, <laughs> hate mail and love mail. I'm sure. I'm it's sure what you're yeah, saying yeah, is yeah. resonating with a lot of yeah. hygienists. Uh, so, it's so really, the, you know, if a hygienist is feeling stuck, rather than you know being uh, taking a big risk and being out of income and out of pocket and and and, and, and struggling to find new work, what is the first step? to that that you could use but perhaps you employed but it didn't work because maybe the principal wasn't receptive wasn't open that communication it wasn't the right environment whatever what is the yeah. first step how genius can do to open that conversation to to improve so that no longer a scaling machine i think evolve the biggest thing that everybody has to do in practice and that's not just the hygienist that's the dentist the practice manager everybody nurses we all have to learn to evolve so i think if you've got good communication in the practice, we definitely don't work how we first worked when we met each other. No, no. Yeah, communicate. And you need to be in a practice where you can evolve. So, yeah, I mean, definitely don't do what I did and just walk out after five hours. I think try, <laughs> you know, have have communication within the practice. Give it a shot. Try, give it a chance. Yeah, give it a mm -hmm. shot and try and communicate and air your views as to how you feel that things could be, could be improved. And in then at that case, if you think that things aren't improving and you have it, what you're feeling, then maybe it is time to move on. It's, yeah, I, I think good communication. We say that we're a team. Actually, be a team. Actually, converse as a team. Get everybody together and actually find out what everybody's expectations are. Set some goals. Set some action plans together. Go on some courses together. 
go on some, you know, it, so everybody has a really good understanding because I kind of think a lot of the time we, we think that the other person knows all about the subject, okay? I've had dentists say to me, you know what, I had six weeks perio, I haven't got a clue what I'm doing kind of thing, you know? Holding their hands up, you, you know a lot more than me. And when it comes to decay and, you know, occlusion and everything like that, I'll say, you know, that's your skill set and recognise everybody else's skill set and actually utilise it in the team. And don't be afraid to say, you know, I, I don't really know much about this, but let's, can you tell me about it? And, you know, every day is a school day. We don't know everything about all subjects. So actually educate each other as well. You know, maybe have regular meetings with each other, even if it's just a 20 minute coffee and just say, can you tell us a bit about what you do? Can you tell us a bit about motivating patients? Can you tell a bit about, you know, what, what you're doing? what your successes are, what your failures we, we are. We used to go out for Chinese food and, and curry and, uh, and that, that kind of stuff a few times that we went out as a, as a team uh, back back when Amit and Yanis and whatnot. So that, that, was, that was good, it's actually. So it's nice to have that, that yeah, team yeah. building, you know, team building, yeah. get to it's, know everyone, but also yeah. suggest the changes and have that open conversation, right? It's Absolutely. And don't be afraid to actually say, let's do something. It's, it's almost like it's positive criticism, you know? I, I, and I think take it is, you know, is a positive. This just saying that, actually I think we could improve on things I think is monumental for every practice and, and and for ourselves as well everybody wants to you know like you said evolve we need to evolve as people but we need to evolve within our work as well like you don't just go into work one day and then hope that that's a day that the principal is going to have an epiphany but like you know what we're doing it all wrong. How about we change the model and do this? No one's going to do that. You know, it's th things are going to uh, not just change miraculously overnight. You need to be suggestive. You need to plant some seeds. You need to arrange some meetings. You need to come up with, you know what? One of my favorite things is don't come to someone with problems. Come to them with solutions. So don't be yes. that person, that hygienist, who's like, oh, this is not working. That's not working. I want a nurse, blah, blah, yeah. blah. How about you come up, you know, if we have a nurse. So this, this is one of the awesome things that Laura did uh, when she approached uh, the, the principal, Hap, who's very open and receptive and great leader is uh, she said to him, okay, I want to use EMS airflow, okay? I know yes. there's a huge expense, but I've done a calculation that if we raise our fees to this amount, we can cover it. And then they had that conversation. And what a great way to approach someone rather than, I want an EMS airflow. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so I think that's a great tip. Any examples of when you two might have done that? Yeah, we, we were told at one point that when the practice couldn't afford to have a nurse, we couldn't have nurses. So we took a pay cut to retain wow. having the nurse because we feel yeah. like it's, well, it makes our day so much easier. We hugely value the girls and we want to offer the best service. And the only way we can offer the best service and give 100% of our time and attention to the patient mm -hmm. is to have a nurse. Absolutely. So, and to yeah. utilise the nurse as well. Yeah, definitely. It is. It's the best so, yeah. decision so we ever made. We accepted taking pay cuts for the better machinery and to have the nurse and it, our day we enjoy our day we enjoy what we do and and it's because of yeah i think of, of making those changes and making the sacrifices as well of you know it's less financially but actually we have a less stressful day and we enjoy what we do patients are happy we and everybody's happy but we, and it's a win-win and we can justify our costs because if a patient said they'll even come in and say oh no nurse with you today and you'll say oh yeah they're just processing the instruments they'll be with you in a moment and we make them fully aware that yes we're not the cheapest but it's because we're using the best equipment we have support a hundred percent of the day and our focus is solely on them
It's that patient journey. I, I hear that word banded around a lot these days, you know, the patient journey. But it is. The patient is our business, basically. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Um, so to make them feel really cared for and important and that they are getting the best treatment, then, you know, everybody's a winner. I was just going to say the biggest litigation in dentistry is perio. Mm-hmm. So the only way we can do our notes fully and all of that kind of stuff is with that support. So yeah, we Absolutely. we love our we love our girls. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and 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 what you did that was so. Like they were so selfless, like, you know, taking a pay. I didn't expect you to say that. I was like, that, that took me by surprise that you, you said that. And that's just amazing. Like those of you who are listening on the podcast who are driving on their commutes and they didn't see me, uh, you might have noticed my hair's raising, right? Because that yeah. was a, like, listen, literally, I was like, wait, what? You took a pay cut? That's, like, that's such a selfless thing to do. It was, mm. it was like, what, that, is, uh, that is amazing. I don't know many people who, who would do that. So kudos to you. Like, you know, the reason why you two are in an environment that you're happy is because you've made this environment. You fought for this environment. And, and I was, you know, when I said, give me an example, what a great example than having that conversation. But like, wait, if we can't have our nurses, then we're willing to have a, a pay cut. But for you to, to, to do that and show leadership from the bottom is, is just amazing. And I, and I absolutely kudos. So, so let's cover that topic now of, of nurses, because that's one of the questions I wanted to cover. Why, where do we stand nowadays, right? In terms of nurses, I think it's, it's, I think it's and having worked with you two, I think it's fundamental because obviously I've, I've, I've tasted it. Before I joined you guys, I was already used to uh, hygienists not having nurses. So this is a yeah. huge topic. Now, you can see it from both aspects, right? As a business, for a principal to change their business model overnight and 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 pay nurse additional nurse wages, uh, and especially with the shortage of nurses at the moment, we talked about earlier as well before we hit record button, that's a, a big thing. But in terms of the difference it makes for your clinical longevity, clinical enjoyment, uh, what you can do for patients, the patient journey, how can we find a balance? This episode is brought to you by Enlightened Whitening, the premium brand of teeth whitening. Not only do they have the best trays in the business, the patients really perceive it as a high quality product. And it's really clever how the whitening gel itself is separate to the desensitizer. And I know Payman talks about the importance of that and how it's beneficial for a whitening system to have those two products separated rather than squeezed into one formulation. So if you want to do some training online, head over to protrusive.co.uk forward slash Enlighten and check out what they have to offer. It's free training on teeth whitening and you get to see what the fuss is about enlightened to back to the main episode me personally is that without a nurse it would be substandard treatment basically it's you know to be able to personalize your treatment do plaque scores bleeding scores have fantastic cross infection and be able like morgan said to actually uh, give the patient your time is paramount to uh, you know, really good oral hygiene and really good patient experience and really good outcomes, basically. I think everybody needs to know their value, basically. Education does come at a cost. So actually, you you know, patients might say, oh, you know, like you're talking. I don't know if I'm going off subject here. But anyway, it's, um, you know, patients might say, oh, you know, well, I, I paid, you know, £110 for this and all she's done is talk to me, you know. But like I said, that was invaluable information. And all of these, in, in order to actually measure um, and motivate, all of these indices are so important and they have to be recorded, like Morgan said, for you know the legal aspect of things, but also for the patient motivation. If we do plaque scores on every patient, that's measurable. We can say, 
you, but, but what you're saying, Lou, is that w w without a nurse, it's almost impossible to get good records. Uh, and, to, you know, to, the reason you mentioned about the fees is because, yes, if you're going to be working in a model whereby you have a nurse, you can't expect to just for that to work in your current business model. The entire business model needs to change. The prices need to reflect that. But that's not necessarily, you know, I think dentists and principals are scared that if they raise their prices by 20 pounds to be able to cover the nurse, that they're going to lose their patients. But uh, from any experience I have had so far, whereby we've introduced that model and increased the hygiene fees, I haven't noticed a mass, mass drop and I've only noticed that the team are working together better, the hygienists are so much happier and the patients are getting better care. Now, that's what I've noticed. It's definitely. I, I think you just, you just have to take that leap and actually believe what, what you want to offer patients, how you want to deliver that and just take the chance. And, and it will it will be absolutely fine. But like I said, it's just taking that risk. Some people don't want to take the risk, but I, I think really, really push for it because if they take the risk, you know, a few months, few, you know, years down the line, you will not regret it. You will definitely not regret it. From an education point of view as well, have everybody on board as to what it is that you're offering. So when a patient rings up and they say to reception, oh gosh, that's expensive, that you haven't just got the receptionist saying, yeah, it is. <laughs> you know, our receptionists are fully versed in knowing that they are telling a patient what is offered at this practice, which they're not getting at other practices. Yeah. Just to make that clear to a young hygienist who hasn't worked in the kind of environment that you, you know, in the lovely work that you do, mm. uh, Mm. What, what what are patients getting for their money in terms of, you know, you're working in a place where you are, uh, you know, both of you have an important role and, and have had an important role in designing the protocols of how you're going to treat perio in the practice. And you two are fundamental uh, at the top of that, actually. So what is it that you offer that stands you out and is able to justify the piece of, uh, fees to the patients when they pick up the phone and call reception? I think it's definitely ta it's, it's tailored to the individual it's not just come in every six months and have your teeth, you know, scaled and polished, basically. It's, it's tailored. So do you want to say what we do? Yeah, I think as well, because we're given free reign, we've never been told this is how you must work. Um, we were trusted enough that they would say, you know, you need to go off and see Morgan or Lou, and then we would tailor make the package of the hygiene as to how the patient needed it individually. It was never you're going off for a scale and polish. It was, you are going off to be educated about how to care for your mouth. And in doing that, they will clean your teeth. But fundamentally, the long term is that we want you to keep your teeth. The more mm -hmm. you see Morgan and Lou, hopefully the less your dental treatment you'll need. So you were big on that, Jazz. You were big on saying, you know, I'd like you to have a better relationship with your hygienist than you do with me. So, I tell them, if you're yeah. seeing me too much, things are going wrong. You know, you keep seeing uh, the, the, the ladies and they'll, sort of, they'll make sure you're on the straight and narrow. Very much, uh, very much true. Uh, and do you feel as though you, are, you have been well supported at the management level when, when you've suggested to, to have a preventive focus in the practice? Absolutely. I, th I think because when we started this practice, it was very, you know, a prevention led anyway. I think we're really fortunate that actually what we had to do was maybe have difficult conversations with new clinicians coming in and, and even we, we were getting them to shadow us to actually say that this is how we work. And it and equally I'm I'm really happy actually shadowing dentists as well to say actually I want to see how you work as well. Because obviously, you know, you have lots of different patients, lots of different personalities. Um, and so it's quite good, actually. I, I always find that the, the patients have the best relationship 
with, with people that suit them as well, you know? I think information is key and our appointments are very information heavy. There's not a single appointment patient doesn't leave with a plaque or a bleeding score. And God forbid we'd forget to do that. A patient would, you know, as they're exiting, would say, oh, what are my scores today? They Absolutely. want to know those numbers. Yeah. Do you still do your A5 card with the, the traffic light system uh, and the percentage of the bleeding score, plat score and the smiley face, etc.? Do you still do that? You know what we don't mm. since I'm at left, actually. No, that actually stopped. But I tell you what we do do is actually, well, I always vocalise what, the, you know, what they I always get the nurse to actually say what was their bleeding score last time. And she will shout it out. So obviously the patient can hear, I can hear. And then I'll say, and what is it today? Because then, okay. you know, and then obviously, you know, you can say which, uh, you know, whether it, it's improved, got worse or stayed the same. And what the, and that leads you into what you need to do. We need to focus on these specific areas as well. I think it's a great motivational tool. Don't we are making the patient realise that they need to take ownership of their disease. Mm. It is not mm. about coming and having a quick clean up every six months to a year. It is about them realising that what they do at home is so much more important than what we do. And that's the difference, I think, that we had the support to push forward in this practice, which I definitely didn't get in other practices. It was about get them in, get them out, get the money. And the education was just really not that important. But that's what's kept us at this practice. Yeah. I tell you what I find very, very interesting as well is that when the clinician starts with the, the seed of you've got inflammation, starts to talk about the health of the gums with the patient and even shows them a TP, it's that the patient has heard something. And then they come to us and then we get them to, obviously we educate them to understand what was meant by that. And then they, they just get to know, obviously, the, the whole picture of what's happening, you know, plaque bleeding scores, six-point pocket charts, we found that, you know, if they're a perio patient, they definitely should be having full mouth periapicals as well. And actually, if you thought so courses are good, keep up to date. And actually, if you haven't got that information, if you are qualified, take the PAs yourself. Tell the patient mm -hmm. why you're taking it. Bring them over to the computer. Talk to them about their bone levels. Tell them why they have bone loss in certain areas. But tell them what they need to do to actually stop that and actually to halt the disease. If you're not qualified to take the x-rays or confident in doing so, actually don't be afraid to actually go back to your clinician and say, I would like, you know, um, full mouth PAs, please. Get the patient booked in. And I'm, I'm sure, you know, the clinician would be more than happy to, you know, to do that for you. But I, I, I do think communication and actually building some bridges and working together. Is, and um, singing from the same hymn sheet, because, you know, like you said, the clinicians are saying it and you're enforcing it and you're saying it and we're enforcing it. So you have exactly. to work together. And I guess that brings yeah. in the whole perio approach, because my last two questions are, how do you treat perio in your practice? And it sounds like a stupid question in, in a way. Is that well, what do you mean? How do you treat perio? We treat perio like you know we're supposed to treat perio. But you'd be amazed, ladies, about and you've experienced this in different practices. That, you know, some practices don't talk about how we treat perio, and you guys are like this is how we treat perio. We have a protocol in place. So tell us a little bit about what that looks like in your practice. So number one, OHI. As you know, and as obviously, obviously we've discussed a lot, we spend pretty much the first appointment with every patient, and this is whether they're direct access or sent from the dentist, the first appointment is spent showing somebody how to brush their teeth. And then often two weeks later, 
we are reviewing and seeing how they're getting on. We're not just sending them off and saying good luck. We want to know that everything we've done with them, they've understood. We do a lot of tell, show, do. Lots of literature, leaflets, flip charts. We can send them videos. Whatever we can do to support helping them learn about how they can care for their teeth themselves. Mm. Oh, the mouth map I found yeah. really good. Actually getting a mouth map and actually saying which TPs or which incidental aids suits best for that area as well. And that's where the tailor-made care comes into place as well. So they know exactly they've got something to take away with them, put it up in their bathroom so they can actually reflect and say, because obviously I think it's been found, hasn't it, on each appointment, isn't it, audio-wise, they actually retain very little knowledge of what we say. So if you give them something as well, then that just supports and reinforces exactly what we've been saying to them. Perfect. I mean, we'll talk about local because that's for me is really important. But something that maybe you ladies now maybe take for granted because you're, you know, working, you've been working this way for so long. But just remind me if you still do this and and, uh, everyone who's listening is TP brushes. You're actually getting out the long handle ones. You're actually putting it in their space. You're showing them and then they get to take that one as a sample to go home. And is it single tufted as well? Tell us the kind of things they walk away with afterwards. Yeah. Definitely. We're big we've... into single tufted brushes, bending single tufted brushes with a burner if you need to, so that you're adapting it for specific areas, showing patients how to use them down the pocket. Yeah, we actually we don't just give the patient an electric toothbrush, we are actually showing them in their mouth how to use the electric toothbrush because so many times you'll hear, oh yeah, I've been told to brush for longer or brush harder or softer or whatever. That means nothing to anybody. We're actually showing them in their mouth mm-hmm. how to use it. And I find what's really good, I mean, the IO is. It's absolutely amazing. I think that's been a really big game changer. The technology behind that is fantastic. And actually having all the heads, showing the patients what to do. Basically, we tell them what to do and actually getting the patient to actually brush, you know, give them a mirror, sit them up, get them to brush. You'll actually find the reason why they actually, you know, that, that they haven't been getting anywhere for years kind of thing is basically because, you know, the angle of the toothbrush is not right. The, you know, the the, the technique is just completely right. But they think that they, you know, they, they've been holding the electric toothbrush and, and moving it. But the majority of patients actually use that electric toothbrush like a manual one, you know. And it's, it's you true. need to just stop them, show them and just say, you know, how does that feel? You know, can you Do you see? ever get worried or scared that uh, by asking them to, to brush in front of you that you, you, you know, they might feel patronised? Is, is that something that ever crossed your mind in the early days of, of doing this protocol? And have you ever had these encounters where the patient's personality type is like, what do you mean brush? Like, you're trying to say I can't brush. Uh, tell us about some of those encounters. Absolutely. Yeah. Quite, quite a few. We've quite both been few. shouted at over the years. Yes. Absolutely. We have, definitely. And I will say to a patient, especially if they're older than me, please don't find this patronising. I do teach people in their 90s how to brush their teeth, but I am only here to help you. Mm. Um, But yeah, you get pushback and one size doesn't fit all. I have had very rarely, but I've had an occasion where I've said, look, I think the way that we're working together doesn't work. Why don't you try and have a hiking yeah. visit with my colleague and I'll say to Lou, can you take one for the team? Yeah. Um, <laughs> as well. Vice versa. If I've had somebody where I'm just not getting anywhere or we haven't built up that good rapport, yeah. but like I said, just, you know, my way of working, my way of, um, you know, advising them things, they just, it hasn't, you know, kind of got through or, you know, it, it just hasn't worked for them or for me, you know, then yeah, Morgan's seen them as well. And it's amazing because even sort of, it's successes with some people that I haven't. So actually, 
be fine. I'm just saying, you know what? I think you might be better suited to see my colleague, you know? And I think that's absolutely fine to say as well. And I think at the end of the day, the, the, the patient, even though they might, you know, obviously yeah, have a few grumbles at reception and things like that, I think they'd, they'd appreciate just the honesty as well, really. But you can't please everybody. No. You are not going to have 100% success of every single person loving your practice. But, you know, as long as you retain 99%, I think you're doing but, okay. Yeah, but then you attract the like-minded people, right? You attract the people True. that buy into the health philosophy, that buy into prevention, yes. that understand that, hey, I'm paying a little bit more, yeah. but this is way more than what I've ever had before. And these two, they actually care about me and my health outcomes. And I get an objective score at the end. And those mm. people who value that will stay. Those who don't, will, won't. And, and you probably are happy that way, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, true. Yeah. It's, it's self-selecting. If our prices have gone up kind of thing, people have actually gone and said, you know what, I can't afford to come to you anymore. I'm going somewhere else. I would say within a year, they are back. And they just said, you know what, kind of thing. We've been to other practices and actually we can see what where our money is going yeah. and what you do different. And we are back, you know, which, which is quite nice. And sometimes you have to lose a few patients. And, and if they come back, then that's fantastic. You know, then patients will be the patients for life. Definitely. What is the number one quality or trait that a hygienist should look for in a practice or a practice manager or a practice principal, any, anything from the practice or the management team, what is the number one trait or quality that is important in finding the right place? I think they need to be a human first and a dentist second. I mm -hmm. think when it's just solely business and with the management as well, then you don't feel cared for because most of us spend more time at work than we do at home. That's just a reality of life. So you need to enjoy yourself. I mean, yeah, we are not scaling from nine to five. We have a lot of fun on route as well. And you need to feel looked after. And um, we really, yeah, coming to this practice was like working for my parents. It was, it, yeah, I've never experienced anything like it. And it's just carried on, hasn't it? It's yeah. just, it's just a lovely, happy environment. We actually have a nice time. And I wish that for everybody. And when I see the forums of the unhappiness, it is heartbreaking because there are so many good practices out there. So please don't quit the career because it is an amazing one. And yeah, seek out good practices because they are out there and you will find lovely practices and environments to be in. Don't lose the faith. <laughs> is that, yeah, yeah. And just make little changes as well. Like I said, drop the seed in. And, and make little changes, you know, because like I said, it will have that snowball effect. Yeah, definitely. For, for me, I think a, a really important fact for me, for, if you ask me that question, I would say, uh, and it's, you know, you say human side, which is lovely. And I love that. I also think um, leadership, just having a mm. good leader. OK, he or she should be a good leader. They should be a good leader uh, because that really trickles down. You know, leadership is is how the culture is brewed. It sets the tone of the practice. Uh, having a present leader and the, or the presence felt of leadership, I think, is, is the most important thing. And sometimes if you're not getting that from the powers above, then I'm uh, very much a proponent that leadership can start from the bottom. And then you could start being the little mini leader uh, in your, you know, between in your sort of capacity to try and drive the changes from the bottom. And that looks like a much rockier road, a lot of resistance and uphill battle. But it is one which does have a pot of gold at the end, if you like. So I think it is Ooh, worth fighting that battle. And sometimes it means you need to change mountains, change course, go off piece, all the themes that we discussed at the beginning. But I think it's worth, you know, if you're, if you're feeding the lack of leadership, then become the leader uh, that you want to drive the changes that you need.
that's yeah, really, yeah, no, totally yeah. agreed. And I kind of think be a leader and willing to listen to people as well, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and ob- obviously make the final decision as the leader. But I think actually being being open to other people's ideas, um, even if you tried something and just said, actually, we'll try it for six months. And if it's not working, then we will, you know, we will think about something else, you know. Yeah, it's, yeah I think it's better to have tried. You, and- as, as a final point, you've got the microphone to uh, dentists and hygienists in an episode which may become viral. I think it's going to become viral because it's such yeah. a uh, <laughs> the face he made. Everyone, anyone who's listening and not watching, the face that Morgan just made <laughs> was not one of joy. <laughs> it sounds like Love Island or something. We're going to try We're just these two little hygienists in Oxford kind of thing. I think Jazz, do we need to start organising our merch or what? <laughs> Ladies, yeah, you can, you can, you can totally do this. You know, your your own EMS airflow kind of thing. You can do this. <laughs> On a serious note, what I do want to mention, though, is refer. Big, big point of the perio, which we haven't discussed, is have an amazing relationship with a periodontist that you trust, you've seen their work, and that you have open communication with. We just pick up the phone to our periodontist or ring them, whatever. But we've got that open communication. How do you think this is going? How do you think that's going? Should we refer at this point? As a hygienist, we are not the end of the road. We know that. So, yeah, seek out good local periodontists. That is also a massive Definitely. piece of advice. Yeah. And I think as well is, is, you know, I think a lot of the time, because we're in different rooms, you know, everybody works independently. But actually, you know, I think supporting each other as a team um, is, is, is paramount to a happy practice, basically. You know, support each other, be there for each other. And, and help each other out, definitely. Buy your nurses lots of cake. <laughs> and coffee. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's something I already do. Uh, that's something I already do as well. So, uh, uh, ladies, absolutely, honestly, I've, I've loved seeing you both uh, again. Oh, uh, I miss you again. both so much. I wish you all the best. Uh, thanks for thanks for inspiring, I think, a generation. Because I think, you know, believe it or not, people, hygienists have been messaging me on Instagram saying, because um, I promised this episode a while ago, uh, and, and hygienists have messaged me on Instagram saying, is that episode out yet? Is that episode out yet um, and they're really they're, what, what they need I think what we need in, in you know in dentistry because look the BDA aren't doing it right is is leadership uh, and I think if this is a small step to get people to start thinking about that and how we can get some sort of the change in the right direction then, yes. then so be it. And I, I look forward to hearing people's feedback. How can we send you roses, flowers, chocolates, cakes? How can we reach out to you? <laughs> We've actually well we we. We've got our Insta- we have got actually oh, an yeah. Instagram page, but because we're a bit dinosaurish on yeah. the old technology, we're going on a course. Yeah, we've gone on a we've gone on a course to actually see how to actually market ourselves and actually how to actually get the word out there. So we're doing this course in February. In February, it's called Thrive, and it's yeah. for hygienists and therapists to market themselves. So if you could just use our Instagram names on your podcast, that'd be great. <laughs> I will do. Instagram names. Is it the- Here's what I'm testing you because you didn't say it because you've probably forgotten your Instagram name. <laughs> so, like, the so you we only go on it once a year. It's the Diamond... The Dynamic Duo. Yeah. I'll message you. Is it actually... <laughs> is it actually at Dynamic Duo? Something like that, yeah. But honestly, there's only about three posts on it. We're yeah, so three terrible. Posts, so yeah, we're not that 
dynamic no. on Instagram, <laughs> but in the surgery, we are so honest. Hey. We're, we're ready to evolve. But after we're February, but after February, you're going to see lots more posts and stuff. So if you want to show your appreciation, yeah. if you want to ask some questions, if you want to engage at Dynamic Duo or the equivalent or wherever, whatever it actually is, I'll put it, I'll put it in the show notes as always. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, thank you so much. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> Well, there we have it, guys. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. A lot of the episodes are eligible for CPD. This one isn't. There wasn't enough substance, but that doesn't mean there wasn't enough juice, right? So there wasn't enough substance for questions and CPD, but I'm hoping you found that as a stimulating and inspiring episode. If you're a hygienist, I'm hoping you're feeling like you can lead from the bottom. And if you're a dentist, I hope that's opened your eyes to the struggles of some hygienists and an opportunity for you to put yourself in a hygienist's shoes who's working alone day in day out and how they're not able to operate at their highest level when they're not in the right environment. If you know anyone that will benefit from this episode, whether it's your principal or an associate or a hygienist that you work with, please send them this and I'll catch you in the next episode.